Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening to the AJ's primary preview. My name is Matt Dotre. I'm the government reporter for the Avalanche Journal. Uh, this week, we're focusing on contested house races. Uh, I'm joined over the phone right now by Richard B.A., uh, who is challenging uh, Ken King for House District 88 in the Republican primary. Uh, Richard, how are you? I'm good, man. Thanks for having us. My Appreciate pleasure. The opportunity. My pleasure. Yes, sir. Uh, so do you want to introduce, our, introduce yourself? Yeah, uh, my name is Richard B.A., and I'm right. I'm running for your representative for House District 88. We, uh, I'm from Perryton, Texas. We are in the oil and gas business up in Perryton. Um, lived in Texas for the last 30, 31 years or so. We um, served on the school board up here, served on Chamber of Commerce board, served on a served my church in a variety of roles. Um, we're kind of a small businessman, I guess, then we can start talking about why we're in the race. So. Okay, very good. Yeah, what, so tell us what made you want to run. I, I understand you you uh, you filed on on uh, one of the last few days. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, you know, uh, we're still we're still looking at that. We kind of got a we kind of got a late start, uh-huh. but <laughs> I had um, got into it because we realized we talked. To, I went to one more kind of town hall meeting with our current rep and realized things that we were looking for were probably not going to change. And, uh, we're trying to make change. Our whole goal, Judy, my wife and I, our whole goal has always been to serve on, uh, serve the communities and the school boards and everything else we're involved in. Um, but it just, um, I just feel like that, um, the government has stopped working for the people of Texas. I think we see the same things going on in Austin that we see in Washington, D.C. I don't think there's really any point in trading Washington, D.C. for Washington on the Brazos if it if it's if it's uh, forgotten how to serve people. Yeah, and um, that's what that's what we kind of see going on, and we'd like to make a change, make a positive contribution. So, oh, yeah, well, uh, talk a bit more about that. What what uh, what changes are you talking about? Um, I think we're, uh, what we'd like to see, I'd like to see Austin work more for us. They, we, the, the, the things that have probably got us going here, we see a lot of state down approach, you know, the big government approach. Um, we, 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 you know, I'm kind of like everybody else. We get up and we go to work and we go to church on Sunday and we go to our activities we go to our school activities and everything else, and uh, we stop lo- we start stop losing track of what's going on in Austin or Washington, which is even worse. But uh, we start losing um, we start losing our uh, freedoms. We start losing our liberties. I'm a small government conservative, but that's getting hard to do um, anymore with the government reaching into all of our lives. Um, uh, we're concerned that um, everybody's playing politics. Everybody and nobody's remembering what the word "represent" means. That "represent" means whether you're in Washington or Austin. That means they represent us. They work for us. We think they need a reminder. Yeah. Um, I think the uh, the problem is um, we look downstate and we see a bunch of we see a lot of special interests being catered to and. Main Street pays the bills. I, I've been driving through this dis, this district out here for a while, and our Main Street 
two of these small towns in West Texas and Texas Panhandle are all having similar problems. I mean, we, we are trying to retain our vitality and kind of the American way of life, and it's not because the people aren't working hard. They are. But we have a 800-pound gorilla in the room, and it's called big government, and it's just sapping the life out of us. And so I look down, I see the school system that needs a huge amount of reform. I see special interests kind of spreading money around Austin and getting their way. Again, they just, they're just, they've forgotten how to work for us. Yeah. And we can, we can, and we can do better than this. We're just, uh, we need to, rem- <laughs> we need to step in. I think we need to remember who we are and whose we are. And I think we need to start saying, look, you guys work for us. You don't, we don't work for you. It's, Kind of the same problem I think Trump's dealing with in Washington. You know, you get a bunch, just a bunch of people that have, uh, think the world revolves around them and it's not the way it works and we need to stand up and call them back to what their responsibilities are. Yeah. Do, do you think, do you think the solution to this is, um, just more decisions being made at the local level? I know that was a big, that was a big t- uh, topic this last uh, legislative session was, you know, the, the state kind of uh, looking to address some of the more uh, local uh, issues. And I, I guess I'm mainly talking about property taxes. So let's go into there. I mean, uh, do you think this do you think the state should do anything about these uh, continual increases in property taxes and what can be done? Well, I think the I think the property tax thing is huge. I think it's uh, another what we typically get up in this part of the country is we get um, a lot of downstate solutions are kind of divvied out to our individual counties and communities up here. Uh, the the property tax issue we've got to remember is uh, I, I usually trust local entities to make better decisions for our communities. Understand they've got some huge tax issues, uh, and you know as I thought, Texas is growing. Matt, I think it's a, I think that's a great thing, um, but and we're seeing property tax in, increases go along with that. But I think putting a sledgehammer on on top of the small community saying you you don't you can't control your own future uh, is probably the, a wrong top down mistake. I, I I would trust the local communities, local leaders we've elected. Plus, they're always. More, <laughs> They're always more responsive to us than trying to get somebody downstate or in Washington D.C. to pay attention to us. Yeah. So I, I would trust I would trust the local governments who are more you know closer by and um, have to live with us on a daily basis that they pay, they they'll pay closer attention to us. Yeah. So I understand understand it's not bad intention that they're trying to that, that they're trying to kind of put some caps on on tax relief and. Stuff. And those things, but I think uh, I think it's we've got to be careful. We've got to remember who we're trying to help here. So. Yeah. Uh, t- talk with me a bit about public education and um, if the state should be doing um, anything in regards to you know lo- local taxpayers continue to f- to front more and more of the bill essentially. Yeah. Um, we were. Um, I was on the school board up here in six, uh, up here in Perryton for about six years. Um, the property, the property tax issue, of course, is, is pretty critical there. Um, I, th- I think we again. We I think 
same, I think basically the same answer. The, the wisest decisions come from the lowest level of responsibility. I'd rather see the local school districts, especially the rural school di- districts, protected. What we tend to forget if we, and I've lived in a couple, couple pretty big cities, but the in rural Texas, you, if you close down a school or you start um, trying to be trying to be based on everything on being too efficient, um, and not that the schools don't need efficiency, but that the efficiency would be kind of top down approach. We lose you lose a community school and you lose the community, and so we need to figure out how to protect our local school systems. Uh, my answer my entire thrust when I was on the school board up in Perryton was we, we were trying to improve public education and we've got a lot of top-down things both from the federal government and from the state that basically you know they start hampering our teachers and the ability to teach and to um, basically freedom to teach. Sometimes there were times I just wanted to listen to some of the things coming down the pike and just say, look, you need, we need to get out of, get out of the way and let set our people free. Let's set the kids free set the teachers free and let them teach. Uh, our kids all were all successful in school. Uh, our kids were a couple of them were valedictorians. One of them was a national merit scholar. We know Judy and I know what a involved parenting and, uh, inspired teaching can yield. Uh, that's the that's the approach we would take. Yeah. So uh, again, well, in, a lot of the stuff is well intentioned, but it kind of it ends up getting misdirected on how we try to uh, try to manage our local school systems. Yeah. Um, are you uh, in favor or against uh, school vouchers? I, I think by the time you're talking vouchers, I think you've said the school system has failed. Our our my whole my whole thing is we are we want to see reform we want to see a 19th century school model public school model improved to a 21st century model there's a, there's a lot of we you know one of the things that's funny about education is everybody agrees on what the outcome should be everybody agrees that it should be a uh, a excellent education for every kid in, every single kid in the school system is where we need to go it's amazing how much, how much of a fight we end, we all agree on the end outcome. We all want to fight about how we're going to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, the voucher issue does not even apply in District 88. It is um, it's, again, it's a big downstate argument. I think we need to reinforce public education in rural schools in our communities that's where we need to go and we need everybody on board to get there yeah one of the things i said when i was on the school when i was on the school board for six years i said i would listen to and i would work with anybody as long as at the end of the day we have a quality education that is the outcome of that those conversations yeah is it is there anything that can be done at the state level to I mean, what should be the priority to, to help these rural, small communities that you're talking about? I was, I would just, just this morning, I, I uh, was, went and visited a cotton grower. I'm working on a story about how, uh, the lack of rain we've been getting and how that impacts uh, our growers in, in January, beginning well, of February. Yeah. I mean, but, and well, he's, you don't, and yeah. he, he's, you don't want me doing, a, you don't want me doing a rain dance. That would be 
extremely ugly. <laughs> yeah, we may have to. <laughs> we'd have to get that on video. I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm, yeah, I'm not volunteering for that. I look better on the radio anyway. Uh, there you go. Yeah, me as well. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I mean, he. The, yeah. This cotton grower told me small town America is dying, and I just I wonder if there's anything that can be done to fix that. And does it start with education, or what else can be done? Well, I think the I think the education in this case is a is a side issue. I think it's a uh, it's a side issue only in that. Well, well, let me back up here for a second. We've got a huge we have a huge battle going on in this uh, in this country, and, and the battle is really a discussion about the role of government. And there's nobody I know who actually thinks our government at almost any level. Again, the local, more local you get, the better it works. But nobody seems to think that we we have a, a government that works smart and efficiently. Efficiently. Um, the question I would ask, I think everybody is, when you look at your government, do you see it as a uh, an asset or do you see it as a burden? And there's no free ride here. The bigger the government gets, the higher the tax rate gets, the more of a burden it becomes, and it starts competing with Main Street. And so, if I'm going to sit in Austin and throw down unfunded mandates and, and tell you guys how to tell everybody how to live, that's a cost. And the tax rates are a cost. And we start, we start basically crowding out private in, industry, private uh, main, the activities on Main Street. So um, I understand what your cotton farmer said I, when he says that small town America is dying. If you drive through a lot of the downtown areas, great old towns around the courthouse and main streets from Perryton all the way down south to through Littlefield and Plainview and every place else, you see that what looks like, um, you see the Rust Belt stuff that actually Trump campaigned on. And so the question is, is our government helping us or is it hurting us? And, you know, once you start taking economic freedoms away, you have to start taking political freedoms away because that's the next that's really the next step and we've had some things happen here in the texas panhandle that um we've been uh with some people in austin some special interests in austin were, were able to put some pipeline monopolies in place and they they basically came in and dictated kind of uh, the economic outcomes and it was really kind of a big experiment in crony capitalism and you we think that's kind of a strange remote term but it, it really, it really is a real term. If our government can, is going to reward big business and not reward Main Street, we're going to lose across the board. And all it takes for crony capitalism and especially special, special interests to succeed is for our legislators and our government to turn its face and let it happen. And that's pretty much what happened. And it's, it's a huge issue up here on the north side of the district right now. Yeah. So what should government be doing if you say it's more of a, a, a hindrance than a benefit? Well, I think, uh, actually, I think Governor Perry had this uh, when he was running for president. I think he had it right. He, he made this statement there one day that uh, his objective in life was to make the government the least consequential to the average American citizen as possible. And I think that's right. I think you trust the people, and I think you let them live and prosper, and I think that's where we've always been, and I think that's what's what brought prosperity years ago. I think it's when the government gets too big and starts taking our rights away and our, mm -hmm. and our you know, and our, um, 
dollars and everything else that we start having trouble competing. And uh, so I think once we, like I said, the, the big argument right now is what is government going to do well for us? And it goes across the board. So it goes into our tax rates. It goes into who's going to determine uh, what a proper education is and the, um, who's going to regulate the way you do your water, who's going to do the, I mean, the, the, the impulse of government is always to grow. And that's, and so the impulse of the people ought to be a restrained growth. I mean, this is, if you look at our forefathers, this is the, this is the whole idea there, there, um, you know, the uh, government, the federal government has overstepped what it was originally given. If you look at the Tenth Amendment and the Constitution, uh, those rights and privileges are, are that were not assigned to the federal government are gradually being assigned. I mean, it, you know, one of the things that's interesting, if you talk to, <laughs> you talk to uh, uh, people that are on the state level, is I, I, I really I'm kind of a libertarian actually on a, on several of these issues. I really don't care what people in individual states do, as long as they're okay with it. I th- I'm concerned about Texas, but they ought to let Texas take care of Texas. And if we can get back to that kind of system, it'll actually stop a lot of the fights, Matt. And if I if somebody wants to uh, go to this place. Uh, if they want to legalize marijuana in in Colorado, that's that's okay with me. I wouldn't do it in Texas, but I'm I'm okay with that mm-hmm. if that's what the people of Colorado want to do. Yeah. And if people want in Texas want to have their own health care system, if people in California want to have their health care system, more power to them. If we were if we put all these issues down in the state and the local level, we'll stop fighting. I mean, I'm I'm getting tired of watching everybody scream at each other in Washington D.C. Yeah. And I feel like I feel like a lot of the the things we're talking about have to do more with DC than the state. I mean, where is this overregulation and and where is this burden coming from? You know, f- from Austin and from the state capital. Well, I think I think there's a whole variety of issues. I think if you look at you look at Austin, I mean, there's, there's a reach into all into water. There's a reach or an attempted reach at times into water rights. I think they're Again, I think reaching into the local school systems, I think, uh, you know, it's all centralized government, kind of a top-down how to live your life. So I think you can look at it from the, you know, from the roads, you can look at it from um, everything we're doing. uh, The government has overstepped its responsibilities. I think think it's a matter of trusting local communities trust, trusting the individual Texans that we will do the best we can with if you will set us free and let us let us live our lives yeah. so I think there's a bunch of uh, I, I think it's uh, a matter of you know whether we're in control of our own lives or whether we turn everything over it, it, the debates all seem to be if you look down if you look downstate the debates all seem to be about how big government is going to help us how you know how they're going to reach in and help our um, how each of us have to live, yeah. and I think that's that is the wrong look from government. Again, I think they need to be supportive and they need to be our a help to us, not a not a burden. And I think it's I think it's a burden in most cases. I mean, I'm not saying government is unnecessary. Don't get don't take don't go that far. Mm-hmm. But I do think that we need to redefine the government into a 20, 21st century model. That is smart and efficient, and I don't, 
I don't think anybody would say we're there yet. Yeah. Yeah. So, you, and you said you were from the oil and gas industry. So, help me understand it from that perspective. Um, you know, do, do you think there's too many regulations uh, in the oil and gas industry? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's. I think a lot of the regulations in the gas industry are self-defeating. They we have the railroad commissions have been set up for a uh, regulatory body over the oil and gas over the oil and gas business. When we see it here, you see it on through. You see it through uh, um, um, just on the amount on the amount of regulations and the amount of things that are probably don't make any sense. It used to be that the railroad commission was fairly flexible in a lot of things, and now we see a bunch of rules set in Austin that don't particularly make any sense to anybody in, that's having to live with the regulations. Um, again And again, I'll go back to the federal side. You see a whole bunch of regulations come out of the Department of Energy that don't make any sense for anybody and are counterproductive, actually. Uh, I'm not even sure why we have a Department of Energy. Um, Mr. Governor, former Governor Perry, needs to uh, get after it and try to, try to get rid of a lot of that overhead. Mm-hmm. But I, I think the uh, again, we, there's no such thing as not a role for government. I think the question is, where is it efficient? Where does it start? Where does it stop being a asset and accomplishing goals? I think they need to work for the American people, whether it's oil and gas industry or ag industry or anybody. Yeah. I think it's uh, we need to look at how we're going to revitalize our system. One of the uh, prognosticators, I think, for Fox said here a while back that decline is the choice. But I, I do believe that revival is a choice, and for the people in District 88, they're 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 trying and they're struggling and working every angle they can, trying to live with the big the big guy in the room, and it's just getting tough. Mm-hmm. Well, help me understand where uh, you're you're differing from the. Uh, current representative Ken King. I feel like if I got him on the phone now, he would he would also be talking about limited government and there's too many regulations and things like that. So, uh, I mean, what issues are you differing on, and what? Because I'm sure there's some that made you think, well, I'm 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 going to challenge him. Yeah, I, I I think that you know, in in reality, there's nobody running running for this office that is going to. There's very few candidates for this area that are going to say they're not conservative. But I think if you look at, um, I think if you look at uh, voting records, you, there's a study out saying that Mr. King has has voted as the uh, one of the more liberal one of the more liberal House members, and I think he's fourth from bottom as an SM, uh, I think SMU study or Rice study that said that. I think the uh, I think the uh, I think the current rep is just out of sync with us. I think he he looks like he votes like a he looks like he votes like an Austin Republican and not a West Texas conservative, and I think that's a problem. I think if you look at here just as an example, look at the problems Trump is having in Washington D.C. It's not so much the Democrats that are the problem; it's a lot of the people that are in his own party that concert that run as conservatives and end up voting as. Uh, um, Moderates to liberals. I don't. I don't think. I don't think the current rep is a uh, liberal by any by any means. But I think because of his voting record, he he enables liberals. And you know, there's no. This is probably the most conservative district in the state. I think. And 
I I know where I'm from. I said there's a debate whether can whether Mr. King is a uh, fourth or fifth or seventeenth or most liberal member in the house. I'll guarantee you there's never going to be a debate on where I stand. It's it's going to be I know where I'm from. I'm the this district 88 the is really the touchstone for conservatism in the state, and that's the way I'll, that's the way I'll always vote. Yeah, I. So there is, of course, a difference between, you know, rural Republicans and suburban Republicans. And I would think, if anything, that a rural Republican, because they vote for education and because they're for public education, and uh, I, I would think that that issue alone would almost put you on the list of, you know, Republicans that tend to lean closer to Democrats. Wouldn't you agree with that? I mean, if you think if, if the if the discerning factor is that I would support public education, I'd say my difference is I see a reformed public education system as an objective. Um, but that's that's obviously not the that's obviously not the only issue for sure. Um, yeah, but I, but I do think, I think your I think your point's right, Matt. I, if I support public education, then I'm going to, I'm going to, I guess, uh, be, be lumped over there on that issue. But again, rural, edu- rural education and what we're doing in rural education, we have to, we have to protect rural education or our, com- our communities go away because most, in most of these communities, the school is the heart of the entire community. So I don't see that as a, I don't see that as a uh, pushing into an awesome agenda. If I support public education, I'm not. I'm not. Will, will not align myself with the teachers unions, but I'll align myself with classroom teachers every day of the week because mm-hmm. we, we've seen what can be accomplished there when we get we get out of the way and let them teach. Yeah. Did you feel like the last legislative session was a success? Say that again, Matt. I'm sorry. I mean, did you feel like the last legislative session was a success? Did you feel like they got things accomplished that you wanted them to? Yeah, I, I think I, obviously I think there were some things that were, but I think there were I think there were things that you know you look at the school system. When I got off the school board eight years ago, uh, public education still finance is still in, is still in the same. Same problem, and still having the same problems. They haven't managed to fix anything, and the um, you can you can continue to see those things. The approach seems to be band aids and hope, and they they try to come up with a system that actually a system that actually addresses school finance. I don't see that it's been successful. I think I think it's time for a new approach, and I think it's uh, we need to get some new blood in there across the board and see if we can get something hammered up. Yeah. Were you were you happy to hear that um, Speaker Strauss wasn't seeking re-election? Um, again, everybody's Republicans and it's a big party. I don't know if happy was the right word. Mm-hmm. I do think uh, uh, Speaker Strauss's leadership in the House opened some doors to some things that I would not necessarily support. So I think... Um, well, I think he was competent. I hate to I hate to start criticizing fellow Republicans, and I won't. I really won't here. Uh, I do think that um, I'm an admirer of Governor Abbott. I would like to see his agenda enacted. Uh, 
with you know we, we're big enough to disagree on some things, but I do I, I do admire the way he's approached the immigration. I do admire the pr- way he's approached a whole bunch of the issues downstate, and I think that is probably I think we'll I'll say it this way I think with um, Speaker Strauss stepping down, I think that will open the door to probably getting some things done more effectively. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, very good, Richard. That's um, that's all the questions I have. Anything? We didn't get to that you wanted to uh, that you wanted to talk about. No, I, I think that uh, I think we need to remember that everybody that goes to um, I think everybody that goes to Austin isn't necessarily conservative. I think you need, the folks everybody needs to look at actual look at voting records instead of listening to some of the hyperbole. Um, you know, one of the reasons we're running is we we believe like. Um, that we need to we need to remind Austin who they vote for, who they work for. I think we need to go in there, and I think it's time for a pretty good shakeup. And I think it needs to go back to putting people's priorities first. Yeah, and I think that's what we're trying to accomplish with this campaign. Okay, okay. Do you want to talk a bit about uh, Jason Huddleston, who's also uh, uh, challenging Ken King in this primary? Um, I mean, not to get into the nitty gritty of politics, but do you think? Don't you think you two are going after the same uh, base of voters? I think, it, yeah, I think, in, I think in some ways that I think in some ways that's true. Jason's a good man. Uh, I do think there's some issues that we are a little bit different. In. I've got a, I've got a different background. It's more of a it's more of a business background. But I really need to just let kind of Jason speak for himself. Yeah. I've got uh, I don't have a, I don't have a lot of problems with Jason. So. Uh, are you going to be um, you going to be in the Lubbock area anytime? Any events people should should be looking out for? Um, yeah, the answer to that is yes, but I I probably off the top of my head without looking at my schedule, I can't tell you where they would be right now. Okay. Uh, okay. But we should be down in the Leveland, uh Plainview area probably this, in this coming week. Very good, very good. Well, Richard, I sure do appreciate your time. Thank you so much for joining me. And, uh, yeah, early voting starts when now? February 20th, correct? Starts February 20th and with the primary on March 6th. So it's coming up pretty quick. Yes, sir. Very good. Richard, thanks again. Best of luck. Okay, Matt. Thank you for calling. Thank you, sir. Mm -hmm.